Turn up the volume, turn up the flavour. Wings, beers and sporting glory. Only at Winghouse. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. Welcome to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief this Sunday morning here on SEN. Great to be with you. You can send through your text messages on 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. We are here thanks to Winghouse, the best seats and beers always guaranteed. A big week of American sports to discuss. There's always a lot happening in the NBA. The NHL continues on, trade deadline coming up over there, plus all the latest from the offseason in the NFL and the continuation of college sport as well, the uh, NCAA basketball. The uh, March Madness uh, is uh, pretty much getting underway. The March, we're here. It's March. It's autumn here, spring over in uh, over in North America in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's a pleasure to welcome in the Chief live from New York. Hey, Chief, how's things? Uh, oh, very good, Jordy. Thanks for, uh, for having me. How's the, uh, what's the, what's just the general sort of feel of what sport has been like in the last week? What's been taking the headlines? Yeah, it's been a bit quiet. It wasn't the busiest of weeks, but yeah, NBA really dominating. Um, and uh, it was a, yeah, a quite eventful week in the, uh, in the NBA as we're, we're, we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're going to have a look at uh, some of the teams who are uh, on a bit of a hot streak at the moment. Some who have gone cold as well. We'll chat a bit about St. Mary's today as well in the college uh, in college basketball and their history with Australians. There's been quite a lot of Australians who have come through the college system, so we'll do that a little later on and, uh, and we'll go through and, um, and recap on all the other sports as well with baseball in their pre-season, their, uh, their spring getting underway and uh, not far away from the start of the season proper as well. And uh, we might do a top five at the end of the show too. But um, Chief, let's start off with the NBA and have a chat about some of the teams who are in some good form right now, in particular the uh, the team at the top of the East, the Boston Celtics, who have won their last 10 games in a row and are opening up a gap on the rest of the East. The Cleveland Cavaliers are second in that conference, but are eight games back. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Boston and then a bit of daylight and then the rest. Yeah, and they've been on fire, you know, having uh, this 10-game winning streak and um, really seemed to get it. You know, that, that all-star break didn't slow them down or break them up at all. And it, I don't know, that week was, that was very interesting with Jalen Brown being in the slam dunk contest and a lot of talk about Jason Tatum. And uh, they've just uh, surged off that. And I'm very impressed with, um, you know, more attention uh, to a team and then them winning. And uh, that's what's happening in, in Boston with the Celtics and just so loaded with talent, and the, the addition of Drew Holiday was huge. Kristaps Porzingis just fits in so well, um, and they've they've really built a, a, an excellent team in Boston, and they're the clear favorites to win the NBA championship, and and rightfully so. How have they put this team together? Because there's a couple of players, a couple of stars that they drafted themselves, but they've also they've also recruited really well, as you said. Porzingis coming in, Drew Holiday coming in couple of uh, veterans in there, the likes of Al Horford as well. So it's a team that sort of runs deep, but they've, they've uh, recruited pretty, pretty intelligently. It's, pretty, it's been shrewd uh, movements and, and shrewd signings from the, uh, from the organization. Yeah, they really obviously hit in the draft, you know, with, with Tatum and uh, with uh, Jalen Brown. And, you know, uh, just, you know, so many other players that are really key. Derek White. Uh, just an excellent um, uh, role player. Uh, and, yeah, their ability to both uh, add in free agency, make great trades, and really score in the draft. And uh, that's 
<laughs> winning formula for building, uh, you know, an NBA team, and that's exactly what they've done in Boston. So, do, is there a team that stands up in the East who can potentially challenge Boston? Well, yeah, another team where you know is on a nice run here is the Milwaukee Bucks. They've won five in a row. Obviously, very strange situation with them firing their head coach Adrian Griffin after a really strong start record-wise, and then really kind of uh, having some struggles with Doc Rivers coming in. And now have seemed to have stabilized and have won the five in a row. And uh, it's just, you know, be so exciting to see Damian Lillard in the playoffs with a good cast of players around him. And obviously, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is just a, a superstar. So you, you can, yeah, you can't count out the, the Milwaukee Bucks at all in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference. But I, I really think it's going to be one of those two in the East uh, where the West is, is much more wide open. Yeah, I was just about to say that. That was my next question. Is that the East, it kind of looks like there's there's fewer teams at the very top. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, each conference gets the same amount of teams entering the playoffs. But as far as high-quality teams go, which is a bit more intangible to to, um, to to judge, it looks like the Celtics and the Bucks are the two that will stand up. The Cavaliers on numbers are there as well, but then it sort of falls back a little bit. Well, I'll bring up the Knicks and the 76ers in just a moment, but the West is a bit more... Uh, a lot tighter uh, in terms of the teams at the very top. I know we spoke last week about the Thunder and how maybe they're, they're up there on the on the standings, but maybe not ready yet, maybe not a senior enough team once the playoffs come around. But the Denver Nuggets certainly are. They're, they're up there. They've, uh, you know, they've been there and done that before in recent times, and uh, they've got a five-game winning streak as well. Yeah, and the, yeah, the Denver Nuggets really are the, the class of the Western Conference. They're not at the top uh, yet record-wise, but very, getting very close. And um, you've you got to think they're going to want to make the push to have the best record in the Western Conference because of how great their home court advantage is in Denver, playing at a mile high, and it, it's such, such a tough place to play. So, uh, yeah, the Nuggets, I think, are the, the you know, clear-cut clear cut class of the West. Uh, with the LA Clippers right behind them, though now Russell Westbrook has an injury, mm. uh, so that really hurts their depth. He, he's really been a, a key bench player for them. Um, uh, in also, uh, you know, just the leadership and the you know they're loaded with veteran players. So, but that's that's a big loss for the Clippers, and it once again pushes the Nuggets uh, up further. And uh, yeah, they're they're the team to obviously beat in the West. Even though, yeah, one and two being the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, not a lot of playoff experience, and uh, yeah, still some some long odds for them to make deep runs. Did you catch the the Lakers Clippers game during the week? The the LA matchup. It was a, a win for the Lakers, one sixteen to one twelve over the Clippers in a in a tight affair, and uh, and the, the the Lakers really stormed home in that last quarter, thirty nine points to sixteen in the finals. So it was an incredible comeback by the Lakers, and probably. I haven't really uh, m- m- um, matched them all up from the last seven days, but you'd have to argue perhaps game of the week. Yeah, absolutely. It was the game of the week. And a lot of people discussing, is it, you know, where does it rank on the LeBron James comebacks, um, the teams that he's led to comebacks. And uh, it's historic in numbers in terms of where the Lakers hadn't come back from that big a late uh, fourth quarter deficit. Uh, so yeah, and, and very impressive against the LA Clippers, which are you know obviously a veteran team. You think would be able to close out a big lead, but it does show that the Lakers, if they can get into the you know obviously they're going to be almost certainly in the play-in situation, and uh, yeah, they might have to go through the play-in to get into the playoffs. But 
if they're in the playoffs, they're a team you don't want to play. I mean, certainly with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and some of the role players starting to play uh, quite a bit better for the LA Lakers. Yeah, and with that, uh, with that loss, the Clippers, who I think had been second, I want to say, at some point in the West. I know it's been Minnesota and and the Thunder mainly, but uh, in the top two. But the the Clippers, who were third, have now dropped back to fourth with the Nuggets um, jumping back up over the top. So uh, just a few games dropping back there, the the Clippers. And then the Lakers, because of that win, uh, and just generally they're, they're good form. They've won seven of their last uh, ten matches. And um, and uh, and that gap from them to the Utah Jazz has, has opened up again. The Jazz sitting in 11th, and we spoke about this last week as well, but there is quite a gap um, in the West. So that top ten is um, not... Not locked in. There's still quite a bit of basketball to go in the regular season, but for now, looking pretty good. And um, and from an individual perspective, again, it's sort of, I guess it's, you know, we've got to mention LeBron James, 34 points, 19 of those points in that last quarter, and, uh, and just uh, another another ageless performance from LeBron. Yeah, as he's approaching 40,000 points and uh, just so many uh, different milestones. And we said this when we first started talking uh, a bunch of months back that, you know, as the season goes on, we're just going to be talking about LeBron James clipping and clipping uh, different, you know, records and milestones as he's in his uh, 21st season. Uh, no, just just remarkable. And he's, he's still got it. And um Certainly, yeah. The, the teams at the top of the West, those young teams like Oklahoma City and uh, Minnesota, we talked about, boy, they would not want to face them uh, early in the playoffs. To the teams whose form hasn't been great recently, let's start off, uh, let's go back to the East and have a chat about uh, teams who are in the top six, but the Knicks and the 76ers, their form has just dipped a little bit. You look at the New York Knicks and their recent results, they lost to uh, Golden State, the Pelicans, the Celtics, uh, and the Orlando Magic this week, so all teams who are uh, sort of in around about you know in contention, uh, but losing to those teams that they would you know they'd want to be beating those teams to to get a gauge on how they might go if they have to face one of those teams, which is likely in the playoffs. Uh, but they've uh, they, they've they didn't really uh, stand up to the challenge. They did beat the 76ers actually this week as well, so they got that one win. But it's been um it's been a a bit of a lean last sort of fortnight for the New York Knicks, who have, uh, who are three and seven from their last ten. Yeah, and it, it really is an injury situation. Julius Randle uh, hurt their their second best player, uh, and once he was injured, they actually the Knicks were able to win some games right right after that injury, and maybe looked like they were going to be able to survive. Um, but yeah, it's really caught up with them. They made the trade. The Knicks made the trade with the. Uh, Toronto Raptors acquiring OG Ananobi, and he's been injured, so he they haven't been able to uh, get his uh, play in. Even uh, Jalen Brunson missed the game this week. So, um, yeah, the the injuries and just the lack of depth. Uh, Josh Hart, who's a uh, kind of you know more of a role player guard uh, who does rebound the ball extremely well, played 47 f- minutes and 50 seconds, I think, of, of a 48 minute game, just showing just how. Um, little depth there is right now with the New York Knicks and they're gonna yeah they, they need to get those players back Julius Randle and OG Ananobi if they want to have any chance of making a playoff run. Similarly as the uh, Philadelphia 76ers they were four and six in their last 10 so their form has been a little poor as well but they had lost to some of the big teams in the uh, in their conference or around the um, around the NBA with the, the Celtics uh, the Bucks, the Knicks, the Heat, all getting wins uh, of uh, in the last couple of uh, last couple of matchups. So the 76ers, kind of similar, similar boat to them. They're just one spot behind the Knicks, 
and uh, and have um, they've uh, yeah a four and six win loss record from the last ten. So what's the situation there for Philadelphia? Same, same with injury uh, and the the one injury and a, a superstar, the uh, Joel Embiid, uh, who is probably the MVP favorite when he got injured. Um, some people even wondering if he was playing to try to keep his 65 games and a whole controversy with that with the the MVP award. So it was Joel, M- Joel Embiid getting injured, and that just, you know, when you have a player of that stature, uh, it's just going to crush a franchise, and it has for the Philadelphia 76ers. And, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey is a great secondary player, but him, him being the best player on your team is, uh, you know, it just shows you the value of one superstar. And Joel Embiid is probably worth 20, 25 wins over, <laughs> over a course of a whole season. I mean, it really, it, it would be... Uh, Devastating for any team to, to lose a superstar like that. And then down to the very bottom uh, of the of the NBA, let alone the Eastern Conference, is the Washington Wizards. The nine-win Washington Wizards, nine and fifty-one uh, at the moment, and on a fourteen-game losing streak, Chief, which is uh, it's got to be some kind of record, right? Well, no, we had a, <laughs> we had the Detroit Pistons losing. Uh, where did they get up to at one oh, point? Yeah, I know it was uh, in twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of the, the, the point of discussing this is that uh, we had talked about Detroit, you know, early on and, and their complete inept uh, play. And yet now the Wizards have actually, I believe, dropped below them where they have the same exact record. But uh, certainly it seems like Detroit will not have the worst record in the NBA uh, this season. And it will be Washington. And uh, they'll have the most ping pong balls in the uh, uh, NBA draft. And it's still... Uh, unclear who the number one pick will be, but potentially uh, Alex Sar, the Perth Wildcats. Uh, so the Washington yeah. Wizards are definitely in play with um, most most likely going to have the worst record. It's it's sad. It's unfortunate that um, you know our capital city with uh, a, you know pretty good fan base for basketball uh, has had just such a so poor team for a while, and this one is is really uh, really bad. They are actually approaching a record, though, the Wizards. Uh, their franchise losing streak, which is 16 consecutive games. So uh, two more to go for the Wizards to uh, to get that unwanted uh, record uh, for this uh, particular team. That previous record is from the uh, 2009-2010 season. So, uh, yeah, it could be uh, history about to repeat itself, uh, hopefully for Washington's sake. It doesn't. They, they get a win the next uh, couple of matches. But, uh, yes... Um, that is, uh, that's the the streaks, the streaking teams right now. Boston at the top with a ten game winning streak, a couple of uh, solid streaks in there from the Bucks and the Nuggets with five wins, and then the Wizards at the moment on a ten game on a, um, a fourteen game losing streak. I beg your pardon, with a nine and fifty one win loss record. College basketball, we are uh, approaching March Madness now. Each of the conferences are about to have their um, their their tournaments begin. So the, each individual conference will decide on their champion. Uh, with their final tournament in the next, uh, it'll, it'll all sort of start within the next week and then finish around mid-March. And then after that, we'll have the the proper uh, March Madness bracket uh, from March 19 onwards. So this is a final month now of, of college basketball. This is uh, where college basketball shines. And uh, we're going to shine a light on college basketball and, um, and St. Mary's and the history of Australians who have played at St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah, we talked last week about yeah, the 350 teams uh, playing for you know, 32 automatic bids, and then there'll be the at-large teams. And yeah, there's the the big teams, uh, the Blue Bloods, uh, Duke, who has Tyrese Proctor, who's a uh, uh, Aussie from Sydney, and um, 
Johnny Furphy, who plays at Kansas, another one of the Blue Blood teams who's from Melbourne. Uh, but uh, a team that you considered a mid-major, uh, but a team that's right now sixth, uh, 17th in the country, St. Mary's College of California in um, uh, Bay Area, Moraga, California. And Randy Bennett's been the head coach there 23 years. Probably has had chances to move on to bigger programs, but has uh, lo- loves it there and has a, a, a great um, line to bring in players from Australia and a, and a great history of uh, college basketball players. Uh, basketball players from Australia playing for St. Mary's and a, a bunch going on to play in the NBA. But uh, yeah, obviously you have, uh, you know, Patty Mills, uh, Matthew Della Vadova, uh, but even going back, Daniel Kicker to Adam Caporn. Um, and, and Randy Bennett just uh, done an amazing job there. So yeah, 23 seasons, 12 tournaments. So pretty much every other year he's making the tournament. There's, there's years that they have to win that uh, conference tournament, but this year, uh, I think he, yeah, obviously, even if they slip up in the conference, uh, uh, the the West Coast Conference tournament, uh, they will be an at large bid. They've won 16 straight, the St. Mary's Gales, and uh, yeah, very uh, very exciting as uh, an American who you know obviously has connections. Been doing this for almost 15 years, talking to you guys. I've uh, been following St. Mary's for about 15 years, always uh, supporting them and. Uh, and following, you know, certainly watching Patty Mills and, and Matthew Della Vadova play in college. It was, it was a real treat. They both had uh, excellent careers. And I remember big games in the NCAA tournament. Do you know why uh, Randy Bennett went with the Australian slant and why he, he, you know, went to look for an Australian and then became fond of recruiting Australian players? Is there a reason that he's, that he's stated? He had a connection. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly what, where he got that initial connection. And then I think once you get one, uh, it became um, a, a, just a great place to, uh, to recruit from. And it, it's very competitive, and it's very hard for a school at that level. Uh, they're competing against you know, UCLA, uh, Arizona, you know, teams out west, those big teams that are part of that blue blood culture, or even other Pac-12 teams, even though now that's all kind of blowing up. Um, so it's it's harder to recruit uh, any player, but it's certainly American players to go and play in, at, at some of these smaller schools. Uh, so I think he found it quite easy. And then once you start building a culture, and I think right now there's three or four players uh, from Australia, maybe three from Australia, one from New Zealand, on the current roster. Um, and yeah, it, it certainly you know it pretty it helps. Um, and it, you know the one-off players, uh, maybe there's a little bit more of a culture shock, but certainly a lot less um, at St. Mary's, where uh, it's just become commonplace for them to have a, at least one or two Australians on the roster at all times. There's uh, there's uh, four retired numbers, so four retired jerseys at St. Mary's. Three of them are Australian. Matthew Delvadova's number four, Paddy Mills number thirteen, and Jock Landale's number thirty-four have all been retired. Yeah, Jock Landale more recently, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that's that's really incredible if you think about that. And I believe the other gentleman that their number retired played in the 1950s. So <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, he's the American, but it was uh, about 70 years ago. So uh, it just shows you how um, dominant that uh, Australians have been for that program. 
Um, their their big rival is Gonzaga. Is a had a huge presence on the national scene. Massive, yeah. Uh, so they yeah. So they've had a, a those games are really kind of much watch every year when when Gonzaga and St. Mary's plays, and they play usually play twice, once in each play, sometimes three times because they'll play again in the conference uh, the conference tournament. Yeah, yeah. Tom Meshery is the other player with the retired number there, 1958 to 1961. He played. Just on Paddy Mills very quickly, he was waived this week by the Atlanta Hawks, so he is not with an NBA team anymore. He's 35 years of age, and uh, obviously with the, the Olympics coming up and him still being a part of the, the Australian uh, Boomers national team set up and wanting to, to better their result from Tokyo a couple of years ago, got uh, earned Australia's first ever medal at the Olympics in, bas- in men's basketball with a bronze medal and hoping to maybe go one better and, and make the, the final of the Olympics uh, tournament if possible, but... Now with him without you know without a team, it's uh, I don't know at, at his age is it kind of spelling the end perhaps of his NBA career? Yes, possibly. And you know I've seen some some people suggesting maybe he should play in Europe uh, where he get more playing minutes and really condition better and get ready for the Paris time zone, I guess, and and, and make one more uh, big run for the Boomers. Um, so that's a possibility. It, it's possible that he could definitely find his way onto another NBA team, but it would probably be with very limited minutes. Um, and then there's obviously a very strong possibility he could be joining the NBL next year. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, I would expect to see Patty Mills play a, play a season or two at least back in Australia before he retires. And yeah, and another note, uh, now we have all NBL to the NBA with, Jalen Galloway of the Sydney Kings signing a two-way, two-year contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. So there's a young Australian, I believe he's 21, uh, from the Sydney Kings, uh, signed by the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, there's a, an export going the other way, <laughs> an import, I guess, for, the, for Americans, where uh, we're, we're importing an Australian player uh, to, a, to an NBA franchise. So two-way contract, so he sh- could be playing in the G League a little bit, but... Uh, obviously more of a development player, but uh, yeah, congratulations to Jalen Galloway and welcome to America. Before we uh, before we take a break, Chief, do you know what a 5x5 five five stat line is in basketball? Yeah, so the, the five key individual stats for a game are points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. So if you were to have um, a triple-double is three of those categories, almost exclusively points, rebounds, and assists, double digits. That's a triple-double. Double-double would be double digits and, you know, mostly points. Or even, or a five-by-five five is having five of all five. Now, it's very common to have five points, rebounds, and assists, but to have five blocks and five steals in a game is very rare. It's very hard to do defensively to do both those things. I mean, to have five blocks in a game is extreme. To have five steals in a game is pretty pretty wild. And to have them both in the same game, and then also to have the five assists, you have to fill that up. So that's what a five-by-five five stat line is. And and, and Victor Wembeana coming up next. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah, he, uh, he, yeah. Did, he did just that. The first man in, uh, what, five years since Yusuf Nurkic in 2019 to do it and doing it in his rookie season as well, which is just incredible. He's going to blow that record away because he's going to probably have another one before the year's up. <laughs> um, and then uh, it'll be probably, you know, because he just, what he can do defensively, obviously the shot blocking with his, his height and length, but his steal, his ability to steal the ball because of those long arms, he gets in the way of so many passes. He's such a, uh, a valuable defensive player. And then what he can do on the offensive end, obviously finishing around the basket, just an incredible finisher and obviously uses all that length. 
but the ability to step out and shoot a three-pointer and, and, and from range. So, uh, yeah, Victor went on a huge game. Um, he uh, went head-to-head with uh, Chet Holmgren this week, actually upsetting. And we talked about game of the week. Probably the second biggest game of the week was, uh, yeah, the San Antonio Spurs upsetting the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and, mm-hmm. and Victor Wimbayana getting a little bit of an edge on Chet Holmgren and probably almost a, a lock now for the uh, rookie of the year in that battle. Uh, and it will probably be a, ba- a great rivalry going forward. Uh, Chet Holmgren, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who's seven foot plus, and, and obviously Victor Wembeyama of the uh, uh, San Antonio Spurs. The NHL, which, um, as I said last week, runs almost side by side week to week with the NBA. So we're at the similar point of the season where each team has pretty much played about 60 games. So there's about 20 odd games left for most teams now. Um, into the run. It's still about two months worth of, uh, of hockey left in the regular season, so there's still quite a way to go. But the the shape of the playoff uh, contending teams has, has, has pretty much kind of taken its shape, I suppose. There's a bit of a gap that's opened up in those wildcard races. Um, if you look in the East, the two wildcard teams at the moment, Detroit and Tampa Bay, who have been pretty good of late, have uh, well, Tampa Bay to Washington. It's a five-point five gap. And uh, from the Nashville Predators in the West down to Calgary, it's a seven-point gap. So uh, two points for a win. So that's, uh, you know, between sort of four, five, six games or so uh, wins, uh, those gaps. Um, so there is a bit of a gap opening up and, uh, and the teams are starting to, to separate themselves even at this point in the season. Yeah, it really feels like the Western Conference, you know who the eight playoff teams are going to be. And the Calgary Flames traded away a player this week and, uh, there's talk about them uh, trading away their goaltender and a couple of other players even. So it could be a fire sale in Calgary. Christian Tanev, wasn't, wasn't it? Yes, exactly, yeah. yes. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you could be very surprised to see uh, any of those teams. You know, maybe the Seattle Kraken, maybe the St. Louis Blues could possibly um, make a run at the Nashville Predators or the L.A. Kings. Um but it, probably not, and it, it looks like the not going to be a whole lot of drama in which of the eight teams make the playoffs in the West, uh, where the East, it, yeah, there, there's a little bit more um, there, but, uh, you know, the New Jersey Devils, very disappointing, one of the, the more disappointing teams of the season. Uh, they've had a really tough week, and they're, uh, they're now, yeah, uh, quite a bit back, six points back uh, of the Lightning for the, the last playoff spot. Um, Islanders in the mix too, potentially the Washington Capitals. But again, um, yeah, there they could be some some flipping there. But it, it's quite possible. We know the uh, sixteen teams that are going to make the playoffs in the NHL with yeah twenty games to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Florida, Boston, uh, New York Rangers—they're among the three best teams in the in the East at the moment. The Maple Leafs, Hurricanes, and Flyers are all in there as well. The very top of that Eastern Conference. Look strong. So the Panthers were the runners up from last season. The Boston Bruins uh, are good, but they've had a few. They got a few injuries as well. Um, the Rangers are good as well, but the it kind of it just sort of falls a little bit with the Flyers. Is do you reckon the Western Division, the Western Conference teams are overall stronger, a stronger group than the East? Oh, I don't know. I I, I, th- I think yeah, you know, it's really even. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks with the best record in the West. They they're a bit of a surprise team. Um, a little bit more of a high-scoring team, maybe not the best defense and goal tending for the playoffs. Uh, the defending champion Vegas Golden Knights—they're going to be tough, uh, as will the, even the Colorado Avalanche, who you know don't have the best of record. Well, they're they're right up there, 
but Colorado is obviously a, a great team. Uh, and and then you have uh, the Edmonton Oilers, who have just been on fire. They continue to to play good hockey, and uh, uh, they have they haven't had the best playoff runs because of again their goaltending, but. They have the best player in the league, and uh, Connor McDavid. So the the Edmonton Oilers certainly are, you know, a, a contender. There's a that's what's really exciting about the NHL, though, is you really look and there's there's about 10, 10 12 teams that can win the Stanley Cup. It, yeah. it's very deep, very deep. The uh, the Vancouver Canucks as well, with the trade deadline approaching now in the next uh, what is it within the next a day, I think it is the uh, trade deadline. There was some talk around um, Elias Pettersson. There was a couple of uh, reports last week that their star player, the, the Vancouver Canucks, I should say, are leading the the Western Conference as well. So the best team in the West, They're one of their star players, Elias Pettersson, might have been being looked at by other teams. It was probably unlikely that he was going to leave the, the leading team in the West, but they did uh, put that uh, put pen to paper and um, put away any doubt that he might be on the way out, which was pretty unlikely anyway. But an eight-year contract for Elias Pettersson, $92 million over those eight years. So... A uh, pretty decent-sized contract for a uh, for a man who's 25 years of age. Oh no, that's a that's a great NHL contract. The money in the NHL isn't in, you know anywhere near where you know I think uh, the NBA guys, the top guys, are getting close to 45, 50 million. The, the, the you know the quarterbacks, the, the Shohei Otani signed that near billion-dollar Australian uh, deal. <laughs> I mean, just insane uh, the numbers in, in the other sports. But to, you know NHL, that's that's a huge contract, uh, guaranteed money. Um, for Elias Patterson. Uh, the, yeah, the NHL trade deadline, usually you do see quite a bit of movement. Uh, a lot of teams that, the, that aren't going to make the playoffs are looking to sell players. And obviously those teams at the top we talked about are all going to be trying to add. Uh, obviously, as a New York Rangers fan, I hope they add a player. Frank Vetrano could be coming back. The Rangers have added him twice before playoff <laughs> runs. And again, could add him a third time because he's with the Anaheim Ducks. Almost certainly will be um, moving on. So it's possible... That, that we can get a third time Frank Petrano for the uh, for a playoff run for the for the New York Rangers. So there we go, a bit of an NHL update around the three quarter mark of the season. Chief uh, horse racing as well. We are in the prep for the Kentucky Derby. So uh, what's uh, what's the scene looking like over there at the moment? Yeah, again, you know, once you enter March, you start thinking about uh, the the bigger prep races leading to the Kentucky Derby today. The Fountain of Youth in in Florida at Gulfstream Park. Uh, unfortunately, there was a bunch of scratches. Uh, Dornock, uh, the favorite, Dornock, who uh, is a full brother to uh, last year's winner, uh, Mage. So a chance for uh, Good Magic and Puka to be proud parents of back-to-back Kentucky Derby winners. <laughs> and then you have uh, the San Felipe out in, in Santa Anita. I think it was supposed to be run today, but due to weather, they pushed it back till tomorrow. So uh, West Coast prep, uh, we have... Um, uh, yeah, big races coming up very soon. Really, every every weekend you'll see uh, some races to, for its points qualifying. So this this fountain of youth, um, the the horses that place will earn points, uh, and the the you know the top twenty point holders will be entered into the Kentucky Derby the first Saturday in May. Uh, our biggest horse race by uh, by a wide margin, but. Um, yeah, the three-year-old Colts uh, in in the U.S. are are the superstars, and uh, we're starting to really see see who they're going to be and uh, coming up here in these Derby prep races. Chief, let's work through a couple of dot points here from uh, sport around North America before we chat about the NRL. Firstly, baseball. We are in the uh, preseason. We have had free agent signings as well. What were some of the big ones that landed this week? 
Yeah, Cody Bellinger, outfielder for the Chicago Cubs, re-signed with the Chicago Cubs, uh, is asking for a lot more money than he got, but still plenty of money. Uh, some, I don't know, $80 million, I don't know, it's ridiculous. But um, also Matt Chapman, who was a third baseman for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, was signed away and signed by the San Francisco Giants. So San Francisco getting a, a third baseman, but still plenty of really good free agents out there. Uh, uh, Blake Snell, a pitcher, Jordan Montgomery, two, two big pitchers still out there. Um, they, there's an agent, Scott Boris, who uh, is dragging, you know, he, he plays such a hard bargain, and uh, it's very rare that there's such quality free agents still, still unsigned on March 1st. The NFL Combine is on at the moment ahead of the NFL Draft, and we had a text a little earlier uh, in the program. Chief, the NFL Combine is in full swing. What do you make of Caleb Williams' antics? Do you think he has what it takes, to, uh, what it takes upstairs uh, to fulfill his potential? Um, that's the first part of his question, so I'll let you answer that one first, Chief. Wow, that is such a good question. Uh, everything you hear is that he is just an absolutely remarkable athlete and um, can do things throwing the ball, running the ball, that, that no one can. But, yeah, quarterback in the NFL, it's not just your physical makeup, it's your mental makeup and handling all of the pressure and all of the, the information you have to take in. And, and the time you have to put in studying and, and working with your teammates. And, yeah, Caleb Williams had just, you know, he, he wasn't bad. It wasn't anything that was bad. But he's not showing that, that confidence, leadership, uh, or that's not, maybe not the best words. Uh, it, it's really hard to put my finger on it. And it, 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 it does give you some doubt. Uh, but there's just seemingly no doubt about his talent and Really seemingly no doubt that the Chicago Bears will take him with the first overall pick, mm. uh, Caleb Williams. So um, that's uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know. It's something I can't answer because uh, I, I think we're going to have to see how it plays out. Um, but Caleb Williams definitely, it's a lot to be an NFL star quarterback. The second part of that text message says, also our New York Giants, thoughts on this? Malik Neighbors at six if we can't move up and grab a QB and use our two second rounders in a future first potential to tally to trade back for a QB? Yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah, the New York Giants really needing to add a lot of offense, and there's some really quality wide receivers where they draft, uh, I believe, sixth. Uh, but, yeah, thoughts of maybe Michael Penix, a quarterback from Washington who could be maybe gotten late in the first round. So there, there's been some talk about maybe the Giants – going with that strategy as opposed to maybe trading up and getting a quarterback. Um, it, again, it's, it's so hard to know what the teams th think about. They're not letting you know, like, oh, we love Drake May. We think Drake May is a star, or we're going to trade up for two for him, or we really like Jaden Daniels, or we think that maybe J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback from Michigan, who won a national championship, maybe he's a star, but we could get him in the 25th pick, or Michael Penix back in the first round. He's just, there's so many moving parts, and it's so hard to predict. And uh, honestly, I don't know what the Giants are thinking, um, and, uh, but I, I do think they need to get a quarterback to, to develop. Yeah, there we go. All right, we'll continue to talk about the uh, NFL Combine, the NFL Draft, which is approaching over the next month or so, and uh, NFL Free Agency, too. There's plenty of names that have been swirling around in those discussions. We can delve in a bit further once there's been uh, developments 
um, uh, that, uh, that approach. Chief, uh, our final uh, topic is the NRL in Las Vegas. So round one of the NRL season begins today. The first match is at 1.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time and then the second match follows that one immediately at 3.30. Doubleheader from Allegiant Stadium where they held the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. Manly Seagulls against the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Sydney Roosters against the Brisbane Broncos as opposed to the Denver Broncos who normally play there once a year. Um, but what the hype has been pretty big here. It's, it's, we've been hearing about it, certainly even... For us here in Melbourne, who aren't uh, in the, the the Sydney hotspot of NRL, but what has it been like in the states? Yeah, um, you know, you're following it on social media. I see the incredible crowds, massive crowds there in Vegas for fans that have come over. So they, I think they've done a great job there. Um, I, it's on Fox uh, Sports here, so it's not on the ESPN. So ESPN's not going to mention one bit of it because they don't promote anything that's not on their networks. But I watch Fox quite regularly, Fox Sports, during this past week, and I haven't seen too many ads. They haven't been promoting it as much as I, I would have liked to have seen. Um, the, the TV ratings are going to be very important, um, how hard they can sell this to the U.S. Um, going forward. But the games actually are regularly on. Both AFL games and NRO games are on Fox Sports Live late night. So um, they're trying to grow uh, the, the sport of rugby and uh, rugby league in, in the U.S. And um, this is one way to try. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've, they have had crowds, as you said. I, I saw the uh, sort of the red carpet event that they had presenting the players, and there seemed to be some pretty big crowds there. I wonder how many of them are Aussie expats. I'm sure there's quite a few there. But uh, we'll see. We'll get a proper, obviously, we'll get our our proper look later on today once uh, we see how full the crowd is. Chief, it's been a pleasure, mate. We'll do it again next week. Oh, thank you, Jordy. This has been the All-American Hour with Jordy and the Chief.